Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Acacia Podcast, where we're having real talk, practicing real faith, and growing deep roots. I'm your host, Chris Fields, and I appreciate you taking out some time today to hang out with me for a little bit. I think I want to just jump right into what I want to talk about and um, get into God's word. So what I want to talk about today is Jesus's first miracle. I shared with you all that I am in my Bible study studying the book of John, and it's been really, really good. But there is this first story, Jesus's first miracle that has just been swirling around in my heart. And it's just so good, so rich, so full of truth and goodness. That That's what I want to share today. So I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll just talk about it a little bit. So John chapter 2, it says this, On the first day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, They don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked, my hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the, fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water, after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, Everyone sets out the fine wine first, then, after people are drunk, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's get just some context around the story. So we know that this is Jesus's first public miracle that he's done. Um, And in this culture, weddings were reprieved from poverty, oppression, the challenges that the people were facing. So when you came to a wedding, you were ready to just have a brief moment of satisfaction and joy to get away from all of your problems. Um, which, you know, for us, we do the same thing just in a different way. Like for us, we have a hard time at work. We might want to just come home and watch TV, or we might want to just go out with our friends or whatever it is that we do for them. This was a time to just celebrate and get away. They were under Roman oppression. Um, they had different challenges that they were experiencing and it's like, The wine at your wedding was your one job. Like, have this celebration, give us the wine, and we'll deal with the problems tomorrow. Tonight, we just about to have fun. Also, it's important to know that to run out of wine at your wedding, because of what I just shared, was a huge deal. That would lead you to public shame forever. So, you know, if you run out of food at your wedding or wine at your wedding today, that would be kind of embarrassing, but most of us would probably get over it really quickly. Like definitely by your first anniversary, 
you would have forgotten, most people would have forgotten. It's, it wouldn't just follow you. But in this culture, to run out of wine at your wedding was a devastation and a shame that would follow you for the rest of your life. And I read in the commentary that it was it was almost like admitting that the husband, the bride and the groom are unhappy and that they're not, this whole thing is a sham, like nobody's happy. <laughs> so that's super embarrassing. Um, so that's what's going on. You see Jesus's mother, Mary, approaching him not to ask him for anything, which I want to put a highlight over that, that if you look at verse three, it says, when the wine ran out, Jesus's mother told him, they don't have any wine. And again, I'm always going to throw in a plug for inviting God in because that is what we see Mary doing here is just stating the problem to Jesus and awaiting his action, trusting whatever his action would be and awaiting it. And so Mary invite Jesus in and Jesus says, what has this concern to do with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. And Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So she calls the servants to obedience and they obey. They get these Jewish, Jewish purification stones and fill them up with water as Jesus told them to. And they did what Jesus told them to. They said they fill them up to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw out some of this water and take it to the head waiter. And they did this. And this is where the story gets really interesting. First of all, water, Jesus turned water into wine. That's the miracle. Like, I think we look at that and it's like, oh yeah, Jesus turned water into wine. But like, that is such a miraculous thing to turn water into wine. Like, it's not like putting a pack of Kool-Aid uh, into water and it's like, no, it's a completely different chemical makeup. So that is what, that's the miracle that Jesus did, which is significant. But the story is interesting when, you know, the disciples take the, take this new wine that Jesus has made and gives it to the head servant and he tastes it and he is blown away by this wine he is like this is above top shelf i have never had wine that tastes like this essentially and he makes a statement about how most people give the really good wine in the beginning and then later after people have been filled and now they're drunk, they can give the inferior wine that's like bottom shelf. But he's like, you have kept the best for last. Also think it's important to note that it said that when the head waiter tasted the wine, he did not know where it came from. Yet the servants knew what Jesus had done. They knew that Jesus had done a miracle and that is what he was experiencing, even though he didn't have eyes to see. So that story has so much in it. And clearly, we are not going to cover the entire passage uh, in this episode. 
But I do want to draw our attention to like a few portions of this story that just stand out to me. And but I do encourage you to like really just spend some time here and just study it because it's so so good. And honestly, I think that this first miracle that Jesus did really gives us the heart of the gospel. Like you hear people talk about the gospel and it's like, what does that actually mean? And this this first miracle gives us that. So I was encouraged um, in studying this by Mary, who just invited God in um, into the circumstance that she was experiencing. Like she felt some sense of responsibility to this to this couple. Maybe they were family or close friends, but she would have felt she felt the burden. And so she took it to Jesus. And she, even though she didn't know how Jesus would respond, she knew that he would respond. And her posture was, whatever he says do, let's do it. Let's obey him and trust that he will do what needs to be done. So I think that's the first encouragement is, where in your life can you invite God in to the circumstances? and I don't care. I'm going to ask that probably, I hope, I hope that it's relevant every single week <laughs> because unfortunately our hearts are just prone to, to forget that we need to be inviting God in because I think we're just hardwired to do life on our own and do life in our own strength. And Jesus is like, no, it gets good when you let me enter into your story and do something special that only I can do. So um, the disciples were obedient when God told them what to do. He told them to fill these these stones with water. And I just picture myself like, you know, thinking about the problem and God says, hey, you don't have any wine? You see these big stones? I want you to fill them up with water. That's kind. Of, that's super counterintuitive. Like nobody anticipates that he's going to turn this water into wine. So obedience sometimes can feel silly. It can feel like, well, why am I doing this? Like, what? How is this gonna get me closer to the outcome that I'm looking for? But I think what we see here is the disciples, in spite of what may seem logical, them challenging themselves to do what God says and to experience whatever he wants to to do in the moment. And when they did and he turned the water into wine, we see that the head waiter, he is clueless about where this came from. He's like, whoa, I'm blown away by this. This is amazing. I don't even know where this comes from. I don't know where this came from. But the disciples, obviously, they're like, we know that Jesus has done a miracle and made this wine. And so I think what stands out to me here is that Jesus gives us a new perspective. When we invite him in, we are able to see his glory. We're able to see his goodness. We're able to see the beautiful things that he does um, when we let him in. And everybody don't doesn't necessarily have that perspective. Like God gives us a special understanding like we see the treasure of relationship with him and the special things he does 
Whereas, you know, someone else might just think, wow, that was nice. Like, this is really good wine. The disciples who know what God has done, they're led to worship God. Whereas people who don't know what God has done, they're led to worship the thing that God has done. You see the difference? And I think that that's a, that's a challenge for all of us. Um, too often, and I'm guilty of this as well, too often we are drawn to the things in God's hands, the good things that God has and gives instead of being drawn to God. And I think that that is what this story points us to is God does this, these amazing things but he does them so that we can see his glory and we can worship him. If you see, if you look at verse 11 again, it says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So God's entire point is to reveal his glory so that we can believe in him. And he even allows us to share in that glory. So I think um, what I what I want to what I want us to think about is how wine represents this joy and satisfaction, right? So keep that in mind. That's what wine represents. Wine is a good thing. It's not it's not bad, but too often we look to joy and satisfaction in places that do not sustain. They run out. And the point of this story, the point of this miracle, is to show us that Jesus offers the better wine. We can look for satisfaction in um, money, in relationships, in power, in accomplishment, in numbing ourselves. We can look for satisfaction in a lot of places. And guess what? It works for a short period of time. We might have satisfaction. But the thing is, God offers something better, something deeper, something greater. We get his glory. We get to experience the treasure of relationship with him. And he gives us a perspective to be able to see the beautiful things that he's doing um, when we tune in, when we invite him in. So that truly is just um, what stands out to me in the scripture and what I've just really been reflecting on that over the last couple of weeks, how that is a picture of the gospel. Like God came to give us something better than anything we can get um, on our own. These people were looking to come to this wedding to just get away from their problems just for a moment to experience this satisfaction. And Jesus comes and offers something way better, something that lasts, something that just grows deeper and more beautiful over time. And that's his desire for us. So I mean, not just this, the, the whole book of John kind of repetitively preaches this same message, and I think it's because it's so important that Jesus is better. He is better than anything um, that we can pursue in our own strength. And 
I'll say, after having a birthday, I just had a birthday, turned 37 on the 17th. And my birthday is always such a reflective time for me where I just think about how God has brought me and kept me. And, you know, I have a bit of a unique story in that I was super sick as a kid. The doctors didn't think that I would make it. Um, They expected me to die. And so every year for me, my birthday is a time where I feel very reflective. I like to think through what God has done and just practice gratefulness. And this year, uh, I had a celebration with the women in my life. Like I felt like God put it on my heart to invite a small group of women who have just been a big part of my life. Uh, Some people I've been neighbors with, some people I've gone to church with, some people are my family. Um, Some people have been roommates. But just to share with them God's love, to serve them, to remind them how loved and cared for they are by the God of the universe. And so I had a chance to gather with these women who've loved me so well and uh, just to be able to show them my love. So we had a brunch and um, I asked everybody to bring a bouquet of flowers so that we could make our own flower arrangements together. And it was just a really beautiful time. My best friend hosted it at her place. And, you know, my husband and I had been praying for the event to be, for people to feel and experience what my intention was, was that they would experience God's love in a special way and that God's presence would be with us and that it would be fun and meaningful. um, But most of all, that God would be glorified that all of our hearts will be pointed to him and pointed to his beauty. And y'all, when I tell you this was absolutely my favorite birthday celebration ever, like it was just this weekend, so I'm still struggling to um, to put in a package and put a bow on just how I feel. I feel like my heart is just overflowing with just gratefulness and joy from the time that we had together. And my mom was there and just looking around and having a chance to express, to share with each person what they mean to me and share an encouragement with each person. It was just a beautiful experience. And um, since, since the time I talked to my mom, I talked to some of my friends, and one thing we all agreed on was that there was a special feeling of God's presence and that it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And I don't think it's because of the preparation I made. I don't think it's because of the preparation that anyone made. I think um, it's not because I'm amazing. It's not because my friends are amazing. All those things are true. But what made it so special was that God was with us. Like he takes the ordinary and he makes it something entirely different when we invite him in. And this birthday celebration was so prayed over. It was so very prayed over. And I'm just grateful because I think that the Lord did exactly um, what I wanted him to do 
And not only did he meet the expectation, but he exceeded the expectation. And I think that's the same thing that we see in John chapter 2 was he was Jesus is invited in and he doesn't just meet the expectation, but he exceeds it. He, he gives wine, top shelf wine, in abundance. So he gives joy and satisfaction in abundance. How does that apply to your life? Like, think through what is the area of life where you need to experience the joy and the satisfaction that only God brings? It may be that you need to just straight up surrender. Like, Maybe you've been trying to do life in your own strength and you just need to surrender and allow God to turn the water of your life into wine. Maybe you need to be able to see his ability to be at work in your life. Like maybe you need to be able to see what he's doing. And that requires a sweet surrender And here's the thing, I know that surrender can be so scary, but the beautiful thing is if you read the Bible and you read about God's work through the earth from creation um, to his final return in the book of Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, all you see is a God who is long-suffering, who loves deeply who is full of grace and who is seeking to draw his people home so that he can bless them with himself. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. So that's my encouragement. My encouragement is to um, open up your life to him. Ask him to help you to surrender to not have to live your life in your own strength, to not have to figure everything out, but to be able to trust that he is a good God who wants to lead you well, okay? So, yeah, I just thank God for allowing me to see another year. I thank God for his grace in my life. I thank God for each person who is listening right now, I ask that he would help you to um, open up your life to him, to invite him in, to realize that he is a good God who is worthy of your trust and he will not disappoint you. I pray that he would gift you with faith. In Jesus name, amen. To all my friends and my family, especially the ladies who gathered with me this weekend to celebrate my birthday, I just want to say a special shout out and thank you to you for your role in my life, for who you are. Each of you, I look at you and I see pictures of God's goodness. I see pictures of God's attributes in you. Um expressed in different ways and that has made my life so sweet and so rich you are all my beautiful bouquets and i'm grateful that the lord allows us to share life together and um i just pray for all of you who who are listening that you would just see 
God is beautiful, that you would see a relationship with him as worth it, and that as you continue to journey down that path, that he would just continue to overwhelm you with his glory, with his goodness, and that every day you would see more and more of his glory revealed the same way the disciples did in John chapter 2. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you in the next episode.